why some trees are worsening air pollution. That story and more on H2O Radio's weekly news report. I'm Jamie Sudler. I'm Franny Halperin, and it's This Week in Water. Disheartening, a stab in the back, and about face on campaign promises. That was the way some described President Joe Biden's decision last week to speed up new wall construction along 20 miles of the U.S.-Mexican border in Texas. The administration waived more than 26 environmental and historic preservation laws, including the Safe Drinking Water Act, the Endangered Species Act, and safeguards for Native Americans. During his 2020 campaign, Biden said not another foot of wall would be constructed. But last week he justified his decision, saying he was compelled because money was already allocated by Congress, adding that he did not think the border wall worked. Building the wall has always used the same waiver process. However, this is the first time it's been done by a Democratic administration. Much of the land in the Rio Grande region is protected habitat for plants and animals, and construction would normally require various environmental reviews. However, Congress authorized waivers to build the barrier faster. According to the Center for Biological Diversity, the county where the wall will be built is home to some of the most spectacular and biologically important habitat left in Texas, including that for endangered ocelots. Now, the group says, bulldozers are preparing to rip right through it. The Colorado River Basin and the Southwest are in a prolonged drought made worse by climate change. So it's not surprising that there's been outrage by some that Arizona has been allowing a farm owned by a Saudi Arabian firm to pump groundwater to grow alfalfa for that country's dairy cows. Last week, Arizona Governor Katie Hobbs said she is terminating one of the leases and will cancel three others owned by the Saudi company in the Butler Valley in the western part of the state. The action affects state lands leased by the company, which also owns thousands of acres of other farmland in Arizona and California, producing the water-thirsty crop for shipment overseas. While the governor's action takes steps to deal with a water issue that has attracted national attention, it doesn't address the broader problem, which, according to Kathleen Ferris of Arizona State University, is the unregulated use of groundwater in the state. In urban areas like Phoenix and Tucson, there are now limits on using groundwater, but in rural areas, it can still be pumped without restriction, even when there isn't enough for nearby homes and businesses. Alfalfa is a lucrative crop in Arizona, where the warm climate results in larger yields than other parts of the country. The Saudi company's production was only about 2.5% of the state's overall alfalfa output. In the 1980s, then-President Ronald Reagan claimed that trees were producing more air pollution than automobiles. While the assertion was demonstrably false, there was a kernel of truth to it. Some trees, like oaks and poplars, emit a compound called isoprene, which interacts with nitrogen oxide from coal-fired power plants and vehicle emissions to create ozone and other pollutants. Now, according to new research from Michigan State University, as the planet warms from climate change, the trees will emit more isoprene, worsening air quality. In an oak's defense, releasing isoprene makes it more resilient to stressors like insects and high temperatures. So it's a conundrum for humans who treasure trees for all the benefits they provide, but also who want clean air. 
Another wrinkle, when there's more carbon dioxide in the atmosphere, the oaks and poplars produce less isoprene. However, the team says that eventually hotter temperatures would stress the trees, causing more of the compound to be released. To be sure, the researchers are not suggesting cutting down oaks. They say their study could guide communities on what trees to plant, but a larger message might be the obvious, reduce nitrogen oxide pollution and slow global warming. And finally, the United Auto Workers strike has entered its third week with walkouts at five plants and numerous distribution centers in 20 states. As workers picketed this past weekend, they were joined by environmentalists, which some might find surprising given one of the key concerns of the union is job security as the industry transitions to electric vehicles. But in a National Day of Action on Saturday, October 7th, activists from Greenpeace and 350.org to the Sunrise Movement and the Sierra Club rallied alongside picketers to keep up the pressure on the big three Detroit automakers, arguing that we can have good union jobs, economic prosperity, and tackle the climate crisis at the same time. And the strike seems to be achieving that goal. On Friday, October 6th, UAW President Sean Fain announced the union had made significant progress in their negotiations with General Motors, which had agreed to include battery production workers in the contract. The alliance between green groups and auto workers comes at a time when the transportation sector is reshaping itself. The groups haven't always seen eye to eye. For example, in the past, when environmentalists wanted higher fuel efficiency standards that the union opposed. But by joining forces now, the two are making a statement that the future is electric and it's no time to put on the brakes. That's it for this week in water. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.